White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 702. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! From the Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? I'm well, Van. How are you? I'm very, very good. I'm Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, we've got March Madness coming up soon, and we've got Reaper Madness coming up soon, too, and maybe coming up in more ways than one. Oh, hey Oh, oh! That's to say, March Madness and Reaper Madness. There may be suffering for John ahead. Oh my goodness! Yeah, before we get into everything, we got football and recruiting to talk about. We got basketball and March Madness to talk about. Even some baseball, maybe a little bit. Some recruiting stuff. All that's going on. But before we get into that, um, some quick background on what's happening. One of our patrons is at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. That's literally their name, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. Like it's one word. And so I've always been intrigued by the thought that they were very, very clever in their marketing to get in on having basically a very inexpensive commercial every week. And I, I admire that. I'm not complaining a bit. I think it was very smart. And so I went on their website. I do not Instagram. And I ordered a bottle. And I think they knew what we were up to. And I was going to just see what it was like and everything. And then I was going to order you one. But they sent two. Again, I think that they appreciate... I may be wrong. They haven't contacted me at all. They may not even know about all this. But maybe they know that we're talking about, you know, doing this. And so they sent two. And I just forwarded one on to you. And so our plan is, because we're so clever, (laughs) is we're going to have March Madness next Monday night. And Reaper Madness next Monday night. So you and I, I assume, are going to make... We're going to at least unveil. How about that? We're not going to necessarily make them on the air, but we're going to make or unveil some of our picks, right? Yeah, we're going to make some predictions right. using the wisdom imbued to us by the Reapers in the same way that we do the barbecue. And, and let's just be clear. If we had any wisdom, we would not be doing this to begin with. <laughs> He should take that with, take that uh, advice heavily when we make the picks next week. Yeah, the whole thing is just grounded in folly from square one. It's a disaster waiting to happen. There will be paramedics standing by, certainly in my area. I'm not. I'm sure about yours too. And um, yeah, I'm frankly terrified, but that's okay. I like hot sauce. I've got, I've got every variety of hot sauce that I could find that I can think of. Pretty much. No, I don't have the crystal. You know that crystal hot sauce? It's in like a little triangular bottle. I don't have I'm aware. any. Cr- I don't need that either. So yeah, I I don't have a I don't have crystal, but I've got I got Texas Pete. I got Frank's Red Hot. I got Cholula, Tabasco, multiple flavors. Um, uh, there's several others that I've got. Oh oh oh, Zatarains, the the the, the kind of Creole New Orleans hot sauce. 
I got that turned into a cooking show, but I think people enjoy maybe our 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 food choices. I I've been cooking lately. This is awesome, John. And for our listeners that want something really neat to cook, we ju- I didn't even realize we just happened to have one of those big. I may have mentioned this before. Had one of those big rectangular grill great things you can set down on your stove and turn it into like a hibachi grill. You know what I mean? And so you get like a bag of shredded uh, hash browns and you cover, you put a ton of butter down on your grill and you just stir those hash browns on the heat in the butter till the butter is totally mixed in and coating all the hash browns. And then you make like a giant flat rectangle and you let it cook for a while. Just one gigantic hash brown, right? You let that sucker cook for a while and then you take like three eggs beaten up, pour that over the potato, over the hash brown, let that cook for a while till it's turning into like a giant scrambled egg rectangle on top of the potato or soaking down the potato. And then you you stir fry up ham, peppers, onions, sprinkle that and, and slices of cheese, like the big squares of cheese. Let all that get good and heated up and melted and take your giant spatula, cut it in half, fold each half over like a burrito, like an enchilada. It is a, it is basically an omelet with the hash browns built in. I like it. It's so good. Yeah. And I got Zatarain's to put on that, which is really good. But I'm going to put some, re- but, but before we do any of that, we got to figure out, we're going to put, we're going to put the Reaper Madness on something. We were talking before the show just now, maybe, maybe some carnitas, some nachos, something, something, something that the hot sauce would be good on, right? That's the plan. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Number one, how it affects our picks for the tournament, and number two, how it affects our sanity and our physical and mental health. <laughs> we'll see if we make it through the show eating this during Eat, the episode oh, next week. We may go off the air premature. It may be like. <laughs> We'll be right back, you know, <laughs> like the monkey with the cord, you know. <laughs> I'll have to get a. Gra- I'll prepare a graphic of like, you know, th- we'll be right back after these messages. Or Please so. stand by. Please stand by. Yeah, we have a special report. Difficulties. Te- oh, there's some technical difficulties. All right. <laughs> so we're gonna do this live on YouTube. We're gonna do this as a live video. I, you said folly. It was folly all the way. Yeah, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it completely wrong, not just partly wrong. So there we go. So, yeah, join us next Monday night. It'll We'll record it for the normal podcast, so you won't miss out if you just like to listen to the podcast. But if you want to catch us on YouTube or wherever else we're usually beaming to, you can you can do that. Um, and I'm hoping we get some of our usual cast of regulars that like to comment and come in and jump in and say stuff, too. They're always fun. So, all right, on to business. On to business. Um, oh, oh, wait, I did have one other thing. A listener, one of our great listeners, Johnny Dent, he's come through us so many, for us so many times with different things. Johnny Dent contributed this, and I immediately said, this is the sound that I expect to hear from John when we eat the Reaper Madness. Are you ready? I'm ready. No! No! No, I'm devastated! I'm devastated! They're celebrating right this is the worst! This is the worst! No! Brutal. 
I, I saw that clip. It was from a, uh, a March Madness game where a small yeah. school made a finals of the tournament. They thought they were going to win, and then they made a, a basket at the end. This guy was recording it because he thought his team was going to win, and the other team won, and then they danced and celebrated <laughs> right in front of him, and he was just dying. It was right so good. Right in front of him. I, that is one of my favorite. I, 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 he tweeted it. And I played it once, and I went, oh, man, that's terrible. And I played it again. I'm like, oh, that's really good. And I played it again. I'm like, that's so good. And I immediately ran down here and, and put it into the soundboard. So, yeah, that is that is one of my favorite sound clips so far. And you can bet you'll probably hear it again later in this show, if I remember, and you'll probably be hearing it for episodes to come. So it can't all be Kingdom of Heaven, right? i got to mix a few other things in every now and then. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to ask the listeners... You don't all have to pick Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage for the, the <laughs> listener announcements by Van. You can ask this, you can throw this new one in. <laughs> they do love the Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage, I gotta say. They do, and that's fine. They they get whatever they want that's on the soundboard, and sometimes they send me stuff and sometimes they suggest stuff. And I try to I try to help everybody out as best I can. All right. So oh, oh, we um the 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 Auburn podcasters basketball prediction pool is over with the regular season being over. I won. I didn't want to win. Won. Well, the the way it worked was you picked the result of each game all before the season started. Yeah, he picked the most regular season SEC game results correctly. But that means I picked a lot of losses that I did not want to happen. Well, but you were and. You were more accurate than others in picking that. Some people were a little too rosy in their thoughts. Yeah, and I, I was honestly more pessimistic than you, and I did not win. So yeah, it was it. You actually were the most pessimistic of anybody in the entire pool. I think. I think I went through. I think you had the fewest wins, but I was right oh, above. Yeah. I mean, I was. I only had like one fewer. What What won it for me was that I had us losing this winning this losing this streak of big tough games that we've been on, but I had us beating Tennessee. And I'm like, I told, I said on Twitter, I was like, in retrospect, picking us to beat Tennessee when we're at home is is not that huge of a stretch, right? I mean, we always seem to do that. So I felt a lot more comfortable picking us to beat Tennessee than I did picking us to beat, you know, Alabama or at Kentucky or any of that business. So, so we're going to come back to basketball in just a minute. We'll talk about the SEC tournament and the national tournament coming up and everything. And I want to get your opinion. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and make a little note about this. Um... I want to know, how do you rank this season? Is it a success, and by what standard? That's a key part right there. So let's just let that sit for a little bit, because you and I have talked about this before. There's like there's like a success if you're Duke, and there's a success if you're Auburn, right? And we think of ourselves as like the new Duke or something, but if you look historically, and we just wrote a freaking book then about it, then you might change your perspective a little bit, right? In terms of number of wins, about postseason, right? I've got some other statistics I'm going to throw in here when we get down to it. All right. I know I'm all over the place tonight. I can't help it. It's just the thought of the Reaper Madness has me in Reaper Madness right now. All right. Here we go. Football. Spring practice underway. There have been like, what, three practices so far? To quote the great Steak Shapiro on Atlanta Radio, what have we learned? I don't want to disappoint people, but I don't think we've learned anything. We've learned about a little bit of how these coaches think about stuff, and yeah. some players have had opportunities to make plays, but we haven't had a scrimmage yet. The players are off this week for spring break. There was a whole bunch of just 
getting guys out there last week and equal reps for people and stuff. Um, so I, I don't think we've learned a ton at this point other than potentially like, I think we've learned like which players are playing which positions mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I, you know, I think there's a lot of over analysis happening. I'll be honest. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it, and I don't want to fall, but I'm sure we're as guilty of that as anybody. Although some, some people have to do a show every day. And so sure. they, or write a column every day. Right. Yes. And so they're having to kind of manufacture stuff to talk about. And that's fine. Yes. That's not a shot. That's what they do. And that's fine. Yeah. But there's only so much material that we have to dissect and redissect. And there's just not a lot of information coming out. I mean, the the let's look at the quarterback situation, right? I mean, people keep talking, you know, podcasters, TV people, newspaper people all keep talking about that because it is a question. But I don't think we're any closer to any kind of answers now than we were a month ago or we're going to be a month from now. That's correct. Yeah. No, I mean, they're practicing. The offense is new. Some of the receivers are new. Um, mm-hmm. the drills and the things they're doing, I'm sure, are new. So, you know, I don't think we can tell if anybody has developed them, to be honest, at this point, when throwing against air mostly. So, um, Is it a positive or a negative for the quarterbacks competing right now that they have these current receivers? Would they rather have some people that have been around Auburn longer, or do they want guys that maybe have a little more ability? Well, I mean, I sure they'd like a bunch of all pro receivers out sure. there, right? But yeah. you got what you got. Yeah. Um, I think it's a better group than it was, right? I think Nick Barger helps the big six yeah. six transfer guy. Um, I think you know Fairweather is going to be a tight end that's more of a receiver and less of a blocker. Um, and so I think he's you know, and then he, you know, we have back Javier's Johnson and and Coy Moore. I think those are two kind of smaller more reliable, more experienced receivers at this point. Um, so, I, no, I I think the receiver room has some talent and some potential. So I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. So we'll know when we know. I mean, and, you know, and people have been saying, you know, there hasn't really been any rave reviews coming out so far from the quarterbacks other than just the, the accuracy hasn't been great. And the mechanics haven't been great, which is not yeah. shocking, really. No, but I also think, like, I'm happy that after one week of practice, we haven't heard a bunch of glowing reports about people. Because I'm like, all right, <laughs> I would be I would be skeptical. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the one cool thing that I heard that I I forgot to put on the in the show notes is Freeze's proposal for the A Day game. Have you heard this? Oh yeah, yeah. This was like he 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 kind of he kind of led into it by saying that he didn't like a number of. Uh, of formats that people use and was it you go ahead and just put certain points on the scoreboard and then the the other team has to score more than that something like that no no the whole spring the whole spring game is basically offense against defense and when they walk in you walk in the stadium the scoreboard says defense 28 offense nothing that's what i'm that's what i'm saying yeah you have a score on the board and you have to try to score that more points than that Right, but there, there's no there's no that other team on offense. It's just the defense is on one sideline and the offense is on the other sideline. And every series, it's it can be first team, first team, second team, second team, whatever. But it's they're trying to outscore twenty eight. Yeah, and this is the way you can I'm tell who wins. Yeah, like if the defense holds them down, then they win. If the offense scores forty points, they win. Uh, you know, there's a million formats for a 
for a spring game. And it seems like every year, doesn't matter who the coach is, same coach six, seven years in a row, we do a different format, it seems like, every year. So I'm all for trying something new. Sure, why not? It's fine. I mean, we're, we're, the fact that I can watch it on TV just makes it a different event for me now because A-Day to me was going and getting fried chicken or something, getting Guthrie's, going to the amphitheater, hearing the Jazz Fest, going over the stadium, halfway paying attention to A-Day. And, you know, nice... On a spring afternoon. Yeah, Yeah, nice spring morning and afternoon. It was great. That was a good day. And now it just is not the same thing anymore. It's, you know, it's on the SEC network, I guess, and or or like ABC if you're Alabama. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's not the same, and that's fine. But uh, I do miss the old style. So however they want to change it, I mean, you know. But whatever works, right, whatever whatever gets information. And the no, one I, thing I they was, never change is the quarterback. I was quarterback. genuinely excited about that idea. So. Yeah, that's, no, it's a neat idea for sure. I'm just saying the one thing that never changes is the quarterback gets tackled by getting touched. So that's that's always the worst part of a day. Regardless, is that you never really know what a quarterback can do if they're like, you know, if they are Robbie Ashford or somebody. You don't really know until you get them out of real in a real situation. So, um, talking about recruiting, Zach Blackerby made a really good point today, and it was he and his guest, and I don't remember who actually said this. One of the two of them, but they made a really good point. They said Hugh Freeze is out there like recruiting all the time now like all the time. And he said, apparently we really had no idea what recruiting by a head coach looked like until now. And we're like, is this normal? Does do head coaches, have we just had very laid back head coaches that let the, un, let the assistants do all the work and they maybe cl- come in at the very end. I mean, cause he's just killing it out there. He, and we, it may result in nothing. It may result in us having a top 10 class. Who knows? But he's really been shaking the trees. He, I, I, you know, there was a report he told one recruit. He says no other head coach is going to contact you as much as I do. Now I don't know if that's a promise or a threat, but he, I mean, he did say the thing that for their top targets, he's going to contact them every week this year. Yeah, every single one of the top targets in their family. Well, because he said the recruiting classes for twenty four and twenty five will make or break us. Yes, that's going to establish what we are, who we are. You, you can't be a new coach and come in and have like two or three bad recruiting classes and then say, okay, now we're going to get serious. That doesn't work. you got to come in swinging for the fences on day one, and that's what they've been doing, and I've been very impressed with that. I, don't, I mean, I don't think there's a person that <coughs> – excuse me. I don't think that there's a person pro-Hugh Freeze or anti-Hugh Freeze that hasn't at least been impressed by how hard he's been – working on recruiting and kind of rebuilding the roster and everything. I mean, that's, that's like, sure. a, that's a given, right? So, yes. And, and again, it, it really does raise the question, what have we been settling for? <laughs> you know, maybe it wasn't, you know, we, again, we, we've had this conversation of what is Auburn now? Where are we in the pecking order? And maybe we never ha- should have had to settle for, oh, we're the new Kentucky, you know, maybe we should have never even had to think that we did. I certainly started thinking it. I thought maybe this is – I'm like, okay, you know, we're like sixth and falling in the conference, and you're about to add two more above us. So I'm like, you know, we're the new Kentucky. We're not Vanderbilt, but we're not Alabama and Georgia anymore either. But now I'm starting to think, you know what, maybe we can dare to aspire to our old level as one of 
the greats. I saw an, I saw actually a listing the other day, and I hadn't ever stopped and looked at it, but they were like, this is like the number of SEC championships overall. And, of course, Alabama was first with however many they've got, million. And then um, I think Tennessee was second. And then mm, Georgia. And then maybe LSU. And I think we – I know that we're tied with Florida – I don't know if it was for fifth or sixth, but we are tied with Florida right after that, you know, and we're ahead of all those other teams. So, you know, we are still a have and not a have not, and we have to act like it. We have to recruit like it. We have to coach like it. We have to win like it. All right. Um, I had a couple of player notes because the the, the NFL combine, I guess, has been going on. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't realize a couple of things about Cody, about Anders Carlson, not Cody Park. I'm getting Cody Park, but Anders Carlson broke his left arm trying to stop a kick returner against Mississippi State last year, which means he got two injuries, two seasons in a row against Mississippi State. That sucks. Two in two season-ending injuries, two seasons in a row, both against Mississippi freaking State. Because the first time was his um, was his leg, right? Yeah. You don't expect your kicker to get hurt. And not against the same team twice in two different seasons. But this was interesting to me. I knew that Anders was pretty good. I knew he wasn't, like, threatening his brother or anything, but he was pretty good. But, you know, 2023 will be the first season since Cody Parkey that we haven't had a Carlson as our kicker, which is crazy. That seems like forever ago. And Anders is our number two Kicker in career-made field goals with 79, and second in all-time scoring, 410 points, and third in career extra points made, 173. I didn't realize he had gotten that far up relative to everybody else. I figured that Parkey and Byram, and you know, we've had some. We've talked about this it, a lot. We've had the power some really of longevity. Good, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what year Anders came in? Like 18 or 19. He was definitely kicking in 19. So, yeah. Um, I mean, he went 79 for 110 for a 71 per 82% clip, which is not great, but he got a lot of attempts. And he was never great from long, but he was solid. He continued yes. that run. I think, honestly, like he, some of the perception of him was influenced by how good his brother was in constant, the constant comparison because he wasn't as good as his older brother, but he was good. Yeah. Second in all-time score. has to be behind his brother, right? Second in all-time scoring, 410 points. If you ask me, if you asked me a week ago, who is Auburn's second all-time leading scorer, I'd have named 50 people before I got to Anders Carlson. There you go. Interesting. Um, but there you go. Uh, Marcus Harris. Um, I had a note about Marcus Harris. He was asked about the new coaching staff and the transition from the previous regime. Harris said, oh, it's been as easy as possible. They tried not to put all the stuff on us at one time. They tried to spread it out. They're great people. All the new coaches are great people. I've never met a coaching staff like this before. Everybody's genuine, and you can tell they care about you on and off the field. With this coaching staff, the transition has been easy because they embraced us. They let us know they still care about us, even though they've known, uh, and even though they've known other coaches and a lot of players, they still care about us. I just thought that was a really good quote. Again, more evidence that we seem to be on the right track right now. I hope that that's. I hope that that's true. That's good. Um, what's going on with the NFL Combine? So the big 
the big news last week was like Owen Pepo had a great uh, testing day, the fastest run by any linebacker, the most uh, bench presses by any linebacker, and actually his it was the fastest run by a linebacker in a while, in mm. several years, wow. and faster than any safety at the combine <laughs> as well. <laughs> Holy cow! So he had actually from a testing standpoint, Owen Pepo had a great day, really helped himself probably. And then uh, Derek Hall did very well too, um, and so I think he's he's in good shape uh, to to do well. And then Tank ra- uh, uh, tested yesterday, day before, and and, and did pretty well. Um, so I think he's going to be okay. So I think those are the guys you should be looking for when we get to draft time. And of course, yeah. they'll do the the Auburn Pro Day down the road at home. But uh, th- that was big for them. Owen Papo going to get really get eyes on him after this was a five-star, one of our highest recruits we've had in the last several years. He's up near the top, but did not have a stellar Auburn career. Well, relatively. Relatively, yeah, he was good. But when you think, like, name the five best Auburn linebackers the last ten years, I don't know that he's going to be on that list. Was it just injuries? He did get injured a lot, didn't he? I think he was – Maybe I think injuries really derailed him. I think before the big injury, he had a big injury two years ago. Yeah. Before that big injury, I think he was really coming along and playing well. But he was playing kind of as a backup and the you know the shadow behind Ricochet Rabbit and other mm. linebackers at that time. And I think he really emerged and came along the last year or two. But I don't think he was as good as I ever thought he was going to be. Yeah. Um, I think he was solid, but. Um, I think he, um, and some of it, we could look back and say maybe it was the teams and the defense and other stuff that it held him back and contributed to success. I think the defensive line wasn't as good last year, and so maybe he got more blockers on him and stuff. But I think um, he didn't have the kind of season that we, you know, and the kind of career that we thought he might have. I think that based on his his word of mouth coming out of high school, coming into Auburn. He should have had a Derek Brown career. Yeah, I th- and I think it's like a lot of players we've seen where sometimes the recruiting hype overshad- hangs over them like a cloud their whole career. Like you got to live up to that. Right, it's true. Yeah, remember our defensive lineman? Yeah. Oh lord, that was a disaster. Um, anything else from the NFL combine going on? I guess that's pretty much all of it for right yeah, now. I think that's good. All right, uh, quick look at basketball. Um, the so the the regular season is done, and we got the big win over Tennessee. We'll talk about in a minute. We also had the overtime loss at Alabama. But honestly, I mean, an overtime loss at Alabama and a win over Tennessee. I mean, if you can't have two and zero out of that, that's about the best outcome you could have asked for, right there, right? I mean, other than winning them both, that's pretty good because you you basically tied one and won one. It is know. and. A couple weeks ago, you said, what did you want for this team? You wanted them to be playing well at the end of the year, heading into the tournament. Guess what? I think this team just played their two best games. Yeah, arguably so. Well, somebody pointed this out, and I don't even know if this is true, that Auburn is shooting better than any other SEC team three-pointers since the last Tennessee, since the Tennessee away oh, game. Yes, oh yes. I admit we may be second to Vanderbilt now. I'm not positive, but since the last Tennessee game, we the game in Knoxville where we lost and uh, we scored like you know we 43 points or something. 
we have raised our three-point shooting percentage by over 10% in per game and now shooting almost 39%. Auburn is a top 25 offense in college football the last month. And Oh, if only it was football, but yes, but basketball. <laughs> a top 25 basketball offense the last month, offensive efficiency. And three-point shooting, they've been great. They've really improved, and they're kind of hot from three-point three shooting. Heading ending in the home stretch here, so, and it's that's an absolute difference maker. So let's break that down. It's it's Jalen Williams, no doubt about it. He's been on fire all season, but he's really been pushing it the last few weeks. Okay, uh, it's not it's not really Wendell. I think he's shooting about the way he has from three pointer all season. But I think he shot better the last few few games, right? I think he went through a stretch where he didn't have some great games. And I think he's done well. Uh, funny okay. three-point shooter is Janai Broom. Yes, he had a big Kinda game. Sneaky. He had a big three-point shooting game against Tennessee. Well, and KD has shot better. He still fires yes. up a bunch of misses, but he's actually fired up a few hits. And, and Berman, Flanagan, of course. Pretty clutch. Out Flanagan. There. I, I'm going to say it right now. I think our most underrated offensive weapon the last couple of weeks has been Flan. He's he just looks like he's on another level than he did last year, obviously, and than everybody else. It just seems like everybody else is moving in slow motion compared to him. He's got that dynamic range of motion and and jumping. He can get around on the court. Yes, and, and yeah, and at the same time, he's generally taking the other team's best wing player and shutting them down. Yeah, and then you're right on offense. Uh, I think he has is becoming more confident, like we yeah, saw a long time ago. He's he's, he's, he's explosive and uh, mm-hmm. making stuff happen. Yeah, it's um, well, yeah, he's he's able. He's he. It took him a long time to come back from that injury, but I think that he has now. And um, the thing that this team has not been able to do all season, besides shoot three pointers until recently, back me up here. The thing this team has not been able to do all season is drive to the hoop and put it in, right? Yeah. They get fouled sometimes. They get hammered, and there's no foul called at all a lot of the time. Or they miss. It. Or they miss. Or they miss. That's a good one. But they they don't have that. And, and, and the team we're playing does it a lot. They'll come right down the lane and lay it in five times in five minutes. And we don't seem to be able to do that because when we go down the lane, we try to drive the hoop. It's like the other team, whatever team it is, they always, the other team just collapses on us and kills us. And a lot of times they don't call the fouls. And what I was saying after the Tennessee game was, after the Tennessee game, I said it's amazing what this Auburn team can do when the referee calls fouls on the other team that's fouling us, which is different than what the referees do a lot of the time. It's a completely different game because when they're calling fouls on us and they're not calling fouls on the other team doing the exact same thing, which has been more often than not during this SEC season, I'm going to tell you right now, okay, when they're doing that, we're in the last five minutes. It's not just, oh, Auburn can't close. Well, the reason Auburn can't close in those games is because our closers are all on the bench with five fouls or four fouls and trying not to get a fifth foul. You know, if the thing that was miraculous about beating Tennessee, this is what was absolutely miraculous. If there was one game this season that we needed the referees to be fair and balanced and not just 
pile on us, right, like they usually do, it was this one because we didn't have Dylan Cardwell. Yes. Janai Broom had to be out there more than usual. And in the last few games with Dylan backing him up, he still couldn't be out there all that much time because they were calling ticky-tack fouls on him. There was one play against maybe Alabama where Broom came all the way out to the three-point circle and just raised his hand up in front of the guy, and they called a foul on the center out at the top of the three-point line, just raised his hand up. I'm like, what are you doing? And yet he, and yet Broom never got in foul trouble against Tennessee, not that I remember, and was able to go the distance. And that's what this team can do when they're actually good offensive players can go the distance and not be on the bench or with four fouls and they can't dare touch anybody, right, because they might foul out if they even breathe on somebody. It makes a tremendous difference in what this team is capable of doing. And what's going to happen on Thursday? Is it Thursday we play? Thursday. Yeah. What's going to happen on Thursday is when we come out against Arkansas, if the refs start calling Broom, calling Wendell, calling Flanagan, calling Jalen for fouls in the first five, ten minutes of that game, then we're in trouble. But if they but they call it evenly, they let them play, they call Arkansas for doing the same thing they're calling us for, then we're going to win. I think that's the, that's the, what's the word I'm looking for? That's the secret ingredient, you know what I mean? That's, that's the, the difference uh, maker. The, yeah. It's, it's going to be how are the referees. I've never seen a team in a season so dependent on and so much at the mercy of how the referees go. So uh, John Carvalho, the retired journalism professor from Auburn, yes. tweeted out a, a statistic or a, a study that showed that in college basketball, uh, the visiting team generally has like 2.2 more fouls called on it per game because mm-hmm. that's that's the home court oh, advantage. I can't wait okay. to hear this number. So, I can't wait to hear this number. This is so this should be the, awesome. So the difference. So that's the, an irregular team home court advantage between uh, the other team. The difference for Auburn over that same period of time mm-hmm. was like eight fouls a game. For the, for like the last half of the SEC schedule. That's that, the only thing that shocks me there is it's not double digits. Yeah, but no, that's that does not surprise me a bit. Jeez. No, I want to be clear. That was eight more than the opponent. It wasn't uh, eight. Total. Yeah. Oh, eight more. Eight yeah. More. Eight more. <laughs> average. No doubt. So it just um, the other thing I wanted to talk. You mentioned a minute ago about the historical perspective and and Mm -hmm. this team and thinking about it that way. And I think it's important to stop at this moment before we go to the tournament and whatever happens in the Nashville, the SEC tournament, whatever happens in the NCAA tournament, this Auburn team won 20 games overall and 10 SEC games. And they've done, and Auburn has now done that in five of the last six years. Mm -hmm. And before Bruce Pearl walked on this campus, it happened five times Ever. 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 Yeah. I mean, that was one thing that was shocking to me when I was digging out, like, the season records from back in the 70s and 80s and everything, is I'm like, well, you know, I remember a lot of these years, we were really good, and I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, I'd, I'd look at a season that I thought, oh, I remember that year, that was a good season, and we were like 5-13 and 13 or something, you know, in the SEC, or whatever the number was. That's right. That, no, we had good years, but... 
you know, maybe we won some non-conference games. We had a losing record in conference. So Mm -hmm. it is a huge thing. And I think if this season and this result was in like 1986 or whatever, we think it was great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is that, and, and I mean, what it really comes down to is that we've gotten spoiled. And that's fine. I want to be spoiled. I want to have high expectations. I, I want to be so successful. They're like, oh, well, bring in another five-star. You know, yes. We'll yeah. What we don't want to do, though, and this is the all right, so the good side of the good side of all this and being spoiled is that that means we're winning and we're, we're expecting even more winning, right? You, you want to be we, – we've spent most of our Auburn basketball watching lives being bad, wishing we were good. Now we're good to really good, wishing we were always great, and that's not going to happen. North Carolina is not always great. Duke is not always great. Kansas is not always great. But but you know we want to have more seasons than not that we're like oh you know this is you know like like we felt most of last year, like we felt the end of 2019, and um, you know and that's very unusual for um, for an Auburn basketball team historically. But I mean ten. 10, 10 SEC wins and 20 overall, we we need to not take that for granted. We need to appreciate what we've got. And, oh, I was going to say, and the thing that we don't need to do, the thing we don't need to do is what I hear some people do, which is like as soon as we lose a game, they're like, oh, you know, Bruce has lost it. Bruce doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Look at these mistakes he's making. Because, you know, the next thing that comes out of somebody's mouth like that is we need to fire him. And I'm just like, I've those said before, fans, those fans should be fired out of a cannon. Oh my gosh. I have said before, everything, everything we have going on in basketball right now is not cause of Auburn. It's cause of Bruce Pearl. Period. Period. And when Bruce is no longer our coach, God forbid, I don't have high hopes of this continuing. I I, I want it to. I hope it does, but you know, you got to find another guy that can do what Bruce Pearl does and get him to come to Auburn. And we've talked about that, mm-hmm. that there's the, if there were a lot of guys like Bruce Pearl, you know, there'd be a lot more really winning basketball programs around the country than there are. And if they, and if they were willing to come to Auburn, they'd have come to Auburn a long time ago. We wouldn't have had coaches turning us down like we did for so long. And so we need to put the program high enough before he's done that we can get somebody of that stature by the time it happens. It's the cumulative effect of him being. We need him to stay and continue to win, so that we're good. We're so good for so long that people are like, "Wow, mm-hmm. great arena, great facilities, great yes. fans, great program. They deserve a, a top coach, and I should go there and yeah. take the job." That that's it. That's it. That um, that he stays long enough that that it does look like it's Auburn. We know what it is but we need the perception in the public to be Auburn is just a great winning basketball program and now let's plug in the next but anyway that's that's another topic for another day but I just think that's important it's just important to, to not take for granted what we've got yes. going on right now we need I, to enjoy it and don't feel I, like this is a failure don't feel like this season's a failure it's not that's right it's not a failure season was successful we won some games. We won 20 game draw, one in 10 SEC games. You know, we're going to make the NCAA tournament. That is 100% success to me. Yeah. And that's in a year when Tennessee's been really good. Alabama has certainly been really good. Um, some teams are down. Florida and Arkansas are down a little bit more from what we thought. But, um, but it hadn't been easy sledding. 
Vanderbilt well, we've lost, ended up being better than we thought Texas We've lost two draft picks, and, and yes. our two freshmen haven't done well, almost anything. That's 100% it. That's exactly what I've been saying now for a while. I said this year's team was supposed to be the new team, right, where we reload. But the only reloading we did this year of any real note, a, li- a little bit Trey Donaldson, right, a little bit. But the only real reloading we did was Jani Broom. This is last year's team minus the lottery picks plus Jani Broom. That's basically what this team is. It's not like the, the, the 2020 team that brought back so many great pieces other than our two awesome guards, you know, and then had a couple of new players and was able to win so many games. In fact, isn't that weird? The, the 2020 team, which will forever be known as a team that didn't get to play postseason because of COVID, that that team, I think, had more regular season wins than the Final Four team did. I think they lost like four games. So, But that's how spoiled we were. We were kind of down on that team during the regular season a couple of times, and they were doing way better. We forgot. you know, The 2019 team ended so great that we forgot how they started. So, all right. But, yeah, isn't that crazy that we're actually shooting three-pointers that good? That's so, that just blows my mind. Um, what was the deal? In the, a couple of things about the Alabama game. They had players ejected, and they still won. That ticked me off. They, there was almost a fight, and, um, and we had the lead the whole game, too. I've, I've, I've kind of purged that Alabama game from my memory, but it's kind of well, yeah, coming we, back to me now. We had huge leads. We were up like 17 points in the second oh, half, and, and they came back and tied it with overtime. And then at the end of the game and in overtime, all our players fouled out. Yeah. Broom, yep. Flanagan, David yep. Williams. They were all out of the game, and we're playing, you know, Berman and Chris Moore in overtime against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So that's yeah, not good. And Dylan got hurt, I think. So yeah, it was. Oh a, yeah, that Dylan was a, we had uh, kind of no chance there at the end. We, like we we no. didn't have enough bullets left in the gun at that no. point. But the you know you vented about the officiating earlier that the fouls on Broom in that game were terrible, and that was the difference when he fouled out on that terrible play where he basically got fouled, and then the guy threw the ball off. And, oh, and, that, that and, was the, the creme de la creme of absolutely <laughs> asinine and ignorant refereeing in this entire season. That was just that crystallized the whole phenomenon in one play is that our guy – gets mugged, gets a knife and a gun pulled on him, gets a blackjack over the head, and they call the foul on him, and they throw a, do a technical foul, and they don't call that either. It's just insane. Yeah. I and was then got, their two guys and their coach get thrown out, but it's a technical with no free throws for that. So then yeah. they were getting the free throws after the play because of the Because of the, the foul, the, foul. the phantom foul, yeah. yeah. All right, well, enough about that game. The Tennessee game was really good. The thing that was amazing – in the uh, second half, you had a note about how often they scored. Yeah, and I mean, in this again, Tennessee is one of the best defensive teams in America, and one of the best defensive teams in the last several years. Yeah. And in the second half of that game, Auburn scored on seventy percent of our possessions and turned it over twice. That's, we scored that's more remarkable. points in the second half of that game than we did the entire oh. first game <laughs> in Knoxville. <laughs> that's awesome. That's such a great statistic. Well, and. We held Tennessee to no field goals for six and a half minutes at the end of the game. A lot of the close losses at the end, everybody wants to say it was shooting, we couldn't make a shot at the end, but a lot of them were defense at the end of the of, yeah. of a game. Yeah. Where the other the other team was getting shots and we couldn't stop and them. And we couldn't, right. And it's in a combination. This game, yeah. we stopped them. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. It's the offense is the lack of offense is what shows up sometimes where we're not getting shots. But the other side of the coin is they the other team comes down and, and makes it, and then we can't, and that's how they start pulling ahead or coming back. Yeah. So we're pretty much in the SEC in the NCAA tournament. We gotta we gotta. It would be nice to win an, an SEC game. We play in the second round. We got to buy to the second round, which is fine. We play perhaps the greatest number 10 seed in the history of uh, the SEC tournament in Arkansas. That's the truth. That's crazy. How did they end up a 10 seed? I mean, I know because they lost some games, but, I mean, how did that happen? Injuries and, and yeah. had a disappointing season. But, again, this that team, the Arkansas team we're playing was picked to finish second. Okay? Yeah. Okay? And they just got one of their injured guys back, Nick Smith, mm. who's going to be a lottery pick, who's been yeah. averaging like 25 points a game since he came back. So Great. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Here's the really weird statistic about Auburn in the SEC tournament. And this is another one of those like the three-point shooting thing that I find almost hard to believe. In Bruce's, Bruce has been to Auburn like nine seasons now, right? This is like his ninth season. It's, it's more than you think. I think, we start in, I think he started in 14. Okay. In, the, in all those seasons, we went deep in the SEC tournament his first year. Kind of out of nowhere, right? Out of nowhere, mm-hmm. we went deep the in the scrappy, SEC. Scrappy, yeah, team. scrappy team. And then there was the year we went to the Final Four that we won the SEC tournament, 19. Those are the only two seasons under Bruce Pearl that Auburn has won any SEC tournament games at all. I'm like on the floor with that statistic. I mean, I knew that we lost to Texas A&M in the first game last year, and I knew that we've, you know, well, honestly, part of it is we get a high seed and end up playing a tough team in our first game. We talked about this before, right? I'm like, I'd almost like to have a little lower seed to at least get a win because we end up getting such a high seed every year that we play like Kentucky or Tennessee or Alabama or, you know, whoever in the first round and, and lose. So I'm I'm okay with playing. Well, we got to play the ten seed. Oh yeah, that worked out. <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, it's so weird how the season's going right now. You wouldn't want to play Vanderbilt right now. I don't want to play Texas A and M, although they're next. If we should beat Arkansas, I don't want to play Kentucky yep. right now. Yep. I'd almost rather play Alabama or Tennessee again, right? The way it's going right now. At least we know we can compete with them. So sure. yeah. Isn't that crazy that we've never won an SEC tournament game under Bruce except for those two years that we kind of went on runs? That's just astonishing. All right. Well, we've got Arkansas, like I said, coming up 7 o'clock Eastern, so 6 o'clock Central, SEC Network Thursday. Then we get the Aggies, so same thing. Same, same time, same channel, Friday if we win Thursday. Here's the other really weird thing about Auburn SEC tournament. Ever since that 2019 team, how many games has Auburn even played in an SEC tournament? So that was the end of 19 that we went on that run. We beat whoever we beat, I guess Tennessee maybe in the last game or something, to win the SEC tournament. That was 19. There was 2020. There's 2021. There's 2022. It's 2023. How many SEC tournament games has Auburn played since the Final Four year? How many? One. That Texas A&M game. That was it. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. So 20, COVID. We didn't get to play. Georgia and Arkansas, I think, are the only teams that got to play that year. Uh, 21, we were a self-imposed penalty. 22, Texas A&M, one and done. And now it's 23. We've played one SEC tournament game since the Final Four team. That's, that just, 
That's crazy. There it is. Um, I'm going to tweet that out in just a minute. A little spoiler. All right. I guess that's all the basketball factoids. You want Anything else you want to add before we uh, take our break and thank the patrons and do the uh, guess the game? Apparently we're due for an SEC tournament win. I think that's for dang sure. We are due. And I would love to beat Arkansas. That would be perfectly fine with me. All right. Well, we got we this. As far as I know, John, we are the only Auburn podcast. Like there are other Auburn podcasts, but you know, as far as I know, we are the only Auburn podcast that does not have commercials. That's not bad. Yeah, I believe that's true. Yeah, and the reason is because of our patrons, our great, great patrons. And if you want to join their ranks and help keep our show going, go to www.auwishbone.com. www.auwishbone.com. Got to scroll down through a couple of things there to the big orange button that says become a patron. Click on the big orange button. And then when it takes you to Patreon, here's a little pro tip, as the kids say. You can put whatever you can fit into your name on there. And that's what I read when I thank you. If you want to advertise your business, if you want to put something funny, if you want to request, request an audio sound clip, knock yourself out. We love it. Here, right here are the fine folks currently keeping our program going. They include, I got to get the soundboard ready because they do ask for sound clips, clip, some of them. They include Samuel Salvatore, uh, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier level sponsor, and paying for George Colvin's grounds crew level sponsor. Thank you, Phil. Uh, there is Boris the Tiger's burner account. Boris still not sure what he thinks about that. Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Logan Chilton, VP of Capital Projects at John's favorite establishment. Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Uh, Ann Kangian, Bill Weathers. Welcome aboard, Bill. Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AUFan at KSC. Oh, don't let me forget to uh, do the Fantasy Formula One update real quick after one race. It sucks. Um, Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. Oh, <laughs> uh. Tonight's forecast a freeze is coming. This is one of my favorite ones. Such a great combination. Um, it occurred to me, by the way, that's the Doctor Who theme, which is a good. Portals music, but it occurred to me that I could have used Portals from the Avengers uh, uh, Infinity War for Endgame soundtrack. There's a song called Portals on there. There's actually a song called Portals. I th- what you're doing is working. Don't right. mess with it. Okay, don't mess with it. A shout out to the worst mascot story by Trey Humphreys. I'm not quite sure what that means, but that sounds good. Alex Brown, basketball season plus the basketball book of winning combinations since 2022. Uh, ben Bloodworth bleeds orange and blue. Well, Ben probably does too, but it's two separate people. <laughs> Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Bobby, Hope Springs Eternal. Amen. Uh, oh, Mark wants to meet you. Oh, God, which, which one am I going to pick this time? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No! No! No, I'm devastated. I'm devastated. They're celebrating right in front of me. <laughs> This is the worst! This is the worst! It's so good. Do you know when you're going to play that, Van? Yeah. You're going to play that when that freaking stuffed animal tiger beats me in the bracket pool again. That's what's going to happen. This is true. That's my reaction. 
You know why he's going to do it. God bless it! That's why. And John's going to look at the numbers and say, So be it. There it is. Oh, it's true. That, when that, that great, great Boris the Tiger wins the pool again. Um, Jacob and Robin Fleming. KD confirms that... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! Has the biggest hairballs. 76 Tiger Esquire Sleazy Shyster. Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Logan, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. Algorithm and Blues. Paul Miles, Reynolds Wolf. Uh, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen. Spring football has begun. Beware because... Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. And... I want you to put the word out there that we back up. That's right. Understand me? Yep. We back up. We back up. Hey, now. Um, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, Warhammer 6, WD Richie, <laughs> Freeze plus White Walker, which is Walker White, equals Winter is Coming. I like that. Good th- Game of Thrones reference. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Wynn Carroll, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger. That's the real Boris the Tiger. Uh, as he likes to think of himself. Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Downs, David Simpson, Di Bama, Hugh Anderson, uh, Hugo Sleaze's Book of Jokes, My Record Against Vanderbilt and Other Hilarious One-Liners. <laughs> He's really working the, the the freeze deal there. That's great. Josh Teal, Just Wait Till Next Year, Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, On to Victory, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our... And our one-time and anonymous donors. Ah! All right. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Steve Houston, the guy out back of... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. Who is... Smoke weed every day. While eating leftover... Potatoes. In a... Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. That's so... Man, he crammed so many in there. That's impressive. It's me cap. That's a cap. John's putting a, a salary cap sound, on the soundboard cap. <laughs> it, I feel like if they can get it into that description, you know, what the heck, man? Tim Pittman, Timothy. <coughs> excuse me. Hold on a second. It'll, it'll edit this out. Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87. Oh, there we are. At the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. Alex Nguyen, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane, I'm missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, and finally, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald, Escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. We, uh... We gotta get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, exclusive hairball supplier of... of Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! John wants a, a cap on that, too. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Skull Alvrick, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Ilove, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. That's so not true. Paul Bankson, everybody loves Kathy. Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Spanky, 
<laughs> Spanky says, I am at the bottom of this list because... Scott Wilson! But... That's why you can't, monkey boy! There you go. I kind of ran them together. That's okay. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. We saved beating Kentucky for the tournament. I hope we get the chance. That would be nice. Um, why are you booing Johnny's right? And Brant Rumble plus our one-time and anonymous donors. This is true. There you go. Thank you so much. Go to www.auwishbone.com. A quick update. If you are a patron, then one of the things you get to do, of course, is the big March Madness coming up next week, which you also get to do, if you choose to, our Fantasy Formula One League, which currently has like 31 different teams running in it, which is awesome. And there's been one race so far. My two teams are ranked 11th and 21st, so clearly I got a long hole to dig my way out of, which really sucks to start out that way. But currently our top five are Teamy McTeamface. I think that's um, the guy that wins every year or comes in really close every year. Cheeky Nandos, Sir Bacon the First, Tiger Transit, and Solitaire. <laughs> with Albie Mobile. Transit. Tiger Transit, that's pretty good, right? And Albie Mobile is sixth. And then after that, a couple of other good ones. Scuderia, Aquila, Guerra, Mississippi That's Racing, Ringers. Me. Ringers, huh? What, what? Uh, one, of, one of those Italian names is me. It's okay. Team Drive Fast. Oh, yeah. And then Ringers is number nine. That may be Alex. Maybe you. Maybe. And then number 10 is Robo Gus Racing, which I'm going to guess is Jared. So he's. Uh, and I'm actually number 11 there, right ahead of Boris the Tiger F1. All right. Oh, I do see the War Eagle Supper Club bus is on there. That's pretty cool. And just see if there's any other good ones. Uh, oh, I, I see the, the, the fast one, yeah. Raising Cane. Mira has Del Taco and Raising Cane's racing again, but uh, they're not doing too well. All right, so that's what's up right now. But I, I just to follow up on your point about the basketball pool, Yeah. again, SEC tournaments this weekend. The bracket will be announced Sunday. Yep. I will email out the picks thing Sunday. To and, patrons. And I'll remember to post something on Patreon, like look in your emails yes. or look for whatever. Yeah. Yes. And, and if you have, but if you don't get it, you know, uh, you know, or by early next week, well, let me know because the, the, the first four games are that Wednesday night and then the, the regular tournament starts Thursday. When you send it out, I'll just post it on the Patreon page for the patrons to, patrons too. Okay. So you'll all have access to it. I think it is now time for Guess the Game. Here we go. Hello, Van, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 82. Guess the Game 82 is brought to you by yours truly because I think I'm all caught up with my Guess the Game suggestions. Now, if I made a mistake or I've missed you, certainly was not intentional. Please just reach out to me again and remind me. And I'll tell you where to do that and how to do that at the end of this Guess the Game. But let's get into Guess the Game number 82. With no wideout, pitching to down the little hole, 35, broke a tackle, 30, 35, the 40, midfield, foot race, down the sideline, 30, 20, going to go, touchdown, Auburn! Okay, guys, I'll see you in the hint file. All right, sounded like an older clip, the announcer was? Jim Fife. So that means the timeline is? Up till 2002, I think, was the last year he did. But starting in... Oh, like 80, 80, 81, somewhere in there. 82. Right, so we got a, we got a big chunk of time. Yeah, 20-something um, years. 
He says there was no wideouts in the game. That's what I heard at the beginning. And there's a pitch. <laughs> oh, I missed that. It, yeah, I was so fixated on it being Jim Fife, and it was a play where somebody busted loose and kind of was going down the going down the sideline side about sixty yards. Let me see if I can hold on I, and and remind me. And I'll tell you where to do that and how to do that at the end of this Guess the Game. But let's get into Guess the Game it's number 82. One. It's a short one. With no wideout, pitching to down the little hole. 35, broke a tackle, 30. 35, the 40. Midfield, foot race, down the sideline. 30, 20, going to go. Touchdown, Auburn! Okay, guys. All right, so that was a 70, roughly yard, roughly 70-yard touchdown run on a pitch with no wideouts. Okay. That so, sounds early mid '80s to me. That, so does it sound Bo Jackson, Brent Fullwoodish to you? Yeah. How do you feel about Brent Fullwood in the '86 Mississippi State game? I like it. There were some big Brent Fullwood plays in there. I like that. You remember right, that? Let's, let's go to let's go to the head file. See if we can get something else. To... Eight. Well, I just think in '86 was the year that Fullwood was the man. Right. Mm-hmm. That was his year after backing up Bo for like three years. And that Mississippi State game was the one that was on ESPN where he had a long run against Mississippi State. And that didn't sound like that didn't sound like Fife going bananas in an iron bowl. You know what I mean? He'd have been no, going bananas. So I could see Mississippi State being one where he might be a little less ebullient. That's also, by the way, I think I mentioned this in the in the in We Believed. That's also the game that they were talking about on Saturday Night Live later that night, where the two guys in the basement are like bored and they're like, "What's on TV?" Hey, it's Auburn and Mississippi State, which to the rest of the country was supposed to be funny, and to us we're like, "Oh, turn it on!" You know, <laughs> had a completely different effect on us than on every other you know part of the country. All right, so let's go to the hint five. I'm I'm going to go ahead and put my temporary penciled-in guess as Mississippi State '86. Fellas, let's get rid of those bleeps and give it a listen. Randy Campbell with no wideout, no. pitching to Bo Jackson. Down the little hole, 35, broke a tackle, 30. 35, the 40, midfield, foot race, down the sideline, 30, 20. Bo's going to go, touchdown Auburn! There you have it. I will see you guys in the answer file. All right, a long run by Bo Jackson. Well, that narrows it right down. <laughs> okay, home game? Sounded like the crowd was getting into it, I, I think. I don't know, I don't know. Well, um, we played in Legion Field, too, back then. But it didn't sound like an Alabama game. He no, would have been losing no, no, his no. poop. I agree. He'd have been going bonkers. Um, what, are, what are the... Campbell. Well, Campbell has to be 82-83. I was going to say, that the Randy Campbell part narrows it down. He was quarterback yeah. in 82-83. 82-83. 83, um, I think, is the maybe better, bigger bow runs. Yeah, probably '83 had his big runs, but that didn't sound like the one in the in the in the tornado game at Legion Field in '83. And I mean, we know what the we know what the Georgia Tech one sounded like. That's when he goes bye bye Bo. Yes. So, so I mean, did he have one against Florida State maybe that year? Or Florida in '83. I feel like he had a long one against Florida. But again. Asking me to or you to come up with a long Bo Jackson run is kind of like. You know, asking for that time Bryce Brown hit the three-pointer. I mean... <laughs> that time Cam Newton got the first down. Yes, yes. <laughs> Come on, uh, man. <laughs> I tell I, I, let's pick Come a on. game. Let's just pick a team and say... I, I don't say Florida, but, I mean, it's probably like Mississippi State or something. I, I like Florida. Let's go with that. All right. I, 
I think that that's about as far as we could reasonably be expected to go with it, with it being Randy Campbell pitching to Bo Jackson for a touchdown. I mean, come on. All right, Jonathan Van Dyne, if you guys figured out that this is Auburn playing Florida in 1983, yeah. then you got it right. I want to thank me for sending that one in. <laughs> Seriously, though, folks, if you want to send in a play for Guess the Game, or if I accidentally missed you, again, I haven't skipped anybody on purpose that I know of, reach out to me at Yard Sale Artists. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artists. Or if you're old school, you want to email me, you can email me at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, Van, John, Bore Eagle. Well, we got it. I feel like we got it. I'm taking. I'm. I'm claiming that we got that one. I'm chalking that up as a you win. Half, half win. Well, we weren't. We weren't sure. I wasn't going to put any money on it. Yeah. But if I had to pick something, that's what I. That's and and you said the same thing, right? You said Florida too. So yeah, I'll count that. I'll, that's good enough. All right. As always, but, I want to know if any listeners got that we didn't. Yeah, we never hear, you know, we, we, we get the criticism when we don't get something, but we never hear from anybody else saying, oh, I got it. So I, or if we do, I forgot. But anyway, let's go ahead and get over to the Parliament House. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. Come on. Come on, man. What we got? Speaking of which, we got an email about the softball guest the game. Oh. Uh, this is from a uh, friend of the podcast, Cato, who says, yes. as the self-designated unofficial softball correspondent to the <laughs> AU Wishbone Podcast. And that's fine. I was, I was pumped to hear that play. You asked if any listeners knew it. My dudes, not only did I recognize it, yes. I knew it down to the opponent, game, inning, and score. Wow. I don't have facts to back this up. I watched that game live at the Auburn Softball Field. Woo! They were showing a live stream of the sc- on the scoreboard, and the whole place just erupted. He included a link to the highlight video from that game. Oh, wow. And That's he says, incredible. skip to this point in the video because it's worth it to watch the highlight reel. And then he took pictures I have from the, the team's uh, return celebration. Um, and he said, thank you, Cato, the unofficial for now, A.E. Wishbone podcast softball correspondent. And he says, P.S. Fire Mickey Dean. Um, you know what? It just dawned on me, by the way, and that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, Cato. That's really cool. I'm glad we've got an unofficial official. You, you can be the official softball correspondent. That's fine with me. That's cool, John. Um, I meant to note up front, but I'm just having so much fun hanging out and talking tonight that we're a day late. Probably a dollar short, honestly, but a day late this week. Totally my fault. I had a big thing going on, family and all. Um, but uh, but what that means is. If you're listening to this like most people do the day after I post it in the middle of the night, then we're just five days away from Reaper Madness. So just five more days. Five more days. Can't wait. Can't wait. What other uh, mail we get in the, in the mailbag? Well, you, you already replied to this one, but I did want to thank uh, Weagle87, uh, a.k.a. Olsen and Larry Kane, who emailed us. He, took a, he was sitting at the uh, Mellow Mushroom in Birmingham when the... Southwestern Illinois team bus pulled up behind him and he oh, took a yeah. picture of himself with the bus. That's so cool. That yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're all around apparently. All right. So 
The next list of questions from Ryan Bram, okay. who always sends us some good ones, and he says, here's a fun idea. You guys should try and project the SEC tiers over the next decade. So he wants us to divide up the SEC teams into four to five tiers, basically. And here's his here's his projections, okay? I like it. Tier so one, Alabama, Georgia. Yeah. T- tier two, Oklahoma, LSU, and Auburn. Ooh. Tier three, tier three, Texas, Florida, Tennessee, and A&M. That makes sense. Tier four, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. He says, what do you guys think? I think we could just easily be a tier three team as much as a tier two team. I'd say Freeze is our coach for most of this time period, and we average out to be a tier two team after expansion, after a decade of NIL. I would say that it is a successful tenure. Yes. I would say this. I think Auburn fans are the only people that are right now thinking that that we are a Tier 2 team alongside, who do you say, Texas and uh, – uh, Yeah, Oklahoma and LSU. Okay. Ahead yeah, I of – think- I th- he had I, tier- <laughs> yeah, ahead of Texas. Ahead of those other schools. Yeah. I, I think that only Auburn fans are, are thinking that's going to happen. But I would love to see it. I mean, obviously, Alabama and Georgia have just got, you know, they're currently, they're, and they're not going to be there forever. As, you know, Pat Dye famously said about Steve Spurrier, the sun doesn't shine on the same dog's rear end all the time. And it's going to change. It's just going to take a while. We're still waiting. Georgia just got there. Georgia hadn't been there that long. So, you know, but Alabama's time is running late. They need to get on. They need to keep going over the top of the hill and going down the other side. But, no, I like that. Yeah, Let's sure. do that. I like it. I'm sure both Tennessee and A&M think they should be in tier two in Florida. I'm sure as well. Oh yeah. Well, Florida thinks they're a, they're you know they're overdue to get back to tier one, and they were there for a very long time. They are not, and they're anywhere close to there now, though. No, not a bit. I didn't realize that when Tennessee beat Alabama this year it was the first time Tennessee's ever beaten Saban in Alabama ever. Yes. No, the last time they almost beat Alabama, that they almost beat him in that. The Lane Kiffin game. Yeah. And Kiffin was at Tennessee, and then Alabama blocked the field goals. Matt Cody blocking the field goals. Oh, yeah. Nine to seven or whatever that was. So that that's the last time that Tennessee almost beat him. But, the, you know, it was 17 years ago, whatever. That's so. incredible. Absolutely incredible. So would you – are there other changes you would make to these tiers? I mean, would you pull anybody out of the bottom tier, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi I would State, make Kentucky, another Missouri, tier. You'd make a, would, a bottom tier, put Vanderbilt in it? I definitely have Vanderbilt. I think that right now Kentucky and South Carolina would be in a tier. I'd put Missouri down one and keep Kentucky okay. and South Carolina and um, Arkansas and Arkansas. Yeah, I think Kentucky, South Carolina, Arkansas are in a tier, and then Vanderbilt, Missouri, and uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, I think now they're heading down. I don't know that they're going to be as successful as they were with a top, you know, such a such a visible name brand coach as Leach was. So, yeah. But otherwise, I mean, you can't say that Texas is better than they are. They, they, Texas gets by on reputation, but not on actual accomplishments, you know? Yeah, I agree. I just, yeah. Texas has a lot of talent right now, but they don't have a lot of results. No. Say that. All right. It's just one of those weird things. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would change it I a whole lot. I don't, I would be, I would assume clear. I don't think it's one of those weird things. I think they are constantly overrated. Yep. Yep. Fair enough. They were they were the kind of the Michigan of the Southwest for a while, but Michigan's kind of actually been coming through. A Michigan's bit. kind of solved that problem. So no, Texas have. is overrated and generally soft. 
generally soft. All right, one more question. Okay. Uh, what's your question tonight? This is from uh, David Downs, and and he he just sent us an article for us to include where he really wanted to talk about the uh, uh, the NFL Combine results um, that Owen Papo had. I just really appreciated that. So yeah, thank no, you, David, yeah, that, for sharing that with us. Absolutely. All right, that's it for list of questions. Right. All right, do we have a do we have an around the SEC? Is there anything going on we want to talk about? I'm not even going to click the button. I don't think there's anything big. I, this is not around the SEC, but around college football in general. One of the things that you've been seeing over the last week or two is kind of like of this of the conferences that are left outside of the SEC and the Big Ten. We've seen some whining, complaining, Florida State, Clemson in particular, and what they are complaining about and pushing for is they're like our conference is never is not going to make as much money as the SEC or the Big Ten, and we can't get out of our deal right now, and there's nowhere for us to go. We would figure out the deal. So instead, what we want is unequal revenue distribution. Oh, wow. I haven't heard this. All right. Oh, yeah. No, Florida State, Clemson are pushing this in the ACC. And there's you know there's talk like if the, if the Pac-12 is worried about losing Oregon and Washington, they could do something like this for them. And the deal is, you know, currently things are sliced the same way and they want a little more. Right. Hmm. But what's the motivation of the other ACC schools to give it to them? Well, other than just keeping the conference together and making them not leave. Uh, okay. And they're going to go where? Well, they the are. Big, I'm going to be super clear. The Big Ten is not admitting Florida State and Clemson ever. So there's only one door they could walk through. Are we calling them tomorrow? Again, the, the we, ACC. We've called them television. before. We've called them before, yeah. and they didn't and come, they, and now they're regretting yeah, it. So now they're like, hey, we, we got the message. But they, a, uh, the ACC television thing runs through, like, 2037 or something. <laughs> so, you know, we're not paying any money to get them out of their deal. I know that. Florida State's not walking through the SEC door. Clemson's not walking through the SEC door. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. And Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And that's, yeah, so they're, what are they going to do? They just have to deal with it, right? Well, they have to deal with it, but they have to... Their with thing is, money. we can't keep up with the SEC if we only get, you know, $40 I, million. I call that a feature, not a bug, as we like to say on this show. <laughs> I say that's a good got thing. That right. They, I, we uh, needed Clemson to come. I've, how long have I what? said Clemson's 15 minutes of fame is long overdue to be up? Amen. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, darn, Florida State is, will wilt on the vine and suffer. Oh, my heart. Yeah, it's like. There's one of those that I don't have terrible animosity for. And, in fact, I appreciate them kind of knocking Alabama around a few times, you know, do us all a favor. But I still don't want them to keep winning. They need to go away. There's the other one. I just revel in their failure because of who they are, and that's Florida State. So there's good reason to want both of them to kind of go down, and, and I have no problem with that at all. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll be interesting. I know that the Pac-12 is all kind of in a tizzy, too, because, you know, that – now the teams that left the the Big 12 for the Pac-12 are kind of wishing they were back in the Big 12, right? Because they lose USC and UCLA, and they're suddenly realizing maybe they bought a they what do you call it? They bought a a pig in a poke. But also, these in California, the southernmost Pac-12 school is now Cal Wait, Berkeley. Holy crap! <laughs> That's like, will that be them in Stanford, right, in the Bay Area, yeah. and that's it? They're a little bit south, so it's them. So they're going to need to get like San Diego State or something, and next thing you know, your conference USA. 
Yeah, they've talked San Diego State, but I don't think that's real. Well, there's San Diego State. There's there's a couple of teams out there, but what is it? Uh, what's the Fresno State? Yeah, that's the other two California teams that are ever on on the radar at all, right? Is San Diego State and Fresno State, yeah. but that are further south than the freaking Bay Area. Yeah. Wow. Cal, <laughs> they're farthest south. Yeah, I'm again. The you know, like Colorado left. Who was the other one? It was Colorado and um, I mean Nebraska left went to the Big Ten. They're fine. They're good. They went, yeah, but Colorado the, left the Big Twelve to go to the Pac-12, and now the Colorado's wishing they were in the Big Twelve again. Maybe, maybe they think the Big Twelve's get the Pac-12 is going to be easier now that those two schools are gone. They might. Be uh, but money-wise, though, the Big Twelve is going to be making a lot more money going forward. In fact, I think it was the Pac-12. This is funny. I think it was. I think that the problem the Pac-12 is they can't get a TV deal. I was reading the other yeah. day the only offer they got for a TV deal was Apple Plus, which is the home of MLS. Now I like MLS and I'm excited about our new St. Louis team. But you don't want to say it's. The Pac-12 and MLS, baby. Woohoo! Look at us. But that's not, that's not this good. is where the I mean the Big Twelve. Well, it's a long story here, but the Big Twelve kind of jumped ahead of them mm-hmm. and got a TV deal when they weren't supposed to, and that kind of set the market for the Pac-12 and took away some of the potential network yeah. space. So the, the Pac-12 is kind of hosed. There it is. Well, and then they lost USC and UCLA, and it really got bad. You got to think Oregon's going to leave. They don't want to be the big, small fish in a tiny fish pond. They're going to go somewhere. And after that, the Pac-12 is going to be Conference USA. Like I said, they're going to be uh, the American Athletic Conference or something. So, All right. I think that's pretty much it for tonight. Uh, any final thoughts? We'll wrap it up and get out of here. We're due to win an SEC tournament game. Let's take it to Arkansas on Thursday night. Let's do it. Let's beat Arkansas. Beat them hoggies. All right. Join us in just five or fewer days, depending on when you're listening to this when we will have the March Madness Reaper Madness program. It will be, it'll be simulcast live on YouTube, and we will see you there with live commentary by our guests. We will see you there. In the meantime, our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.